This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, 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 this is EJ Stewart. You are listening to the best of the DA show coming at you right now. And here we are again, a good Monday morning, North America. The mothership has connected. It is a four-hour lonely ride through the sports lunar landscape. Andrew Bogish and who else from the CBS Sports Radio studios in NYC. As always, broadcasting to our affiliates nationwide and north of the border. From this studio to the one down the hall, from Miami to Vegas, Kalamazoo and Waterloo, we are on the air. They uh, listening, D.A. Everything we saying, D.A. Everything. But who oh, who is on the air is the question on this Monday morning post the emotions of Friday's four-hour, which ended really a four-week goodbye to the one and only from here on out named only Sean Morash. It was emotional before 6 a.m. We lingered after 10. There was pizza. There was fudgy the whale cake. There was more Mirage family stories. There were no more real emotions. But we had a big Friday. Into the weekend, we come out of the weekend, and you've got me. And that's kind of it. It had, right. be, had been me and Sean for a while when there's been no DA, but it's just me today. DA, if you're scoring at home, is now on vacation uh, these are vacation days to burn for D.A. As far as we know, he still has paternity days to burn as well and vacation days to burn. The fire will rage on and off through now, from now through Labor Day, basically. I've given up trying to track when I'm going to be here, D.A. is going to be here, Pete's going to be here. But for this week, you've got two people in true hard hats this week. Just two people who will be here in these same spots for all five days of this week. Myself and the one and only E.J. Stewart. Pete's working on this show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, air quotes, he's not going to be in studio. He's, quote, again, interviewing people for the Sean job. You read into that what you want. Is he working? Is he not working? That's really for us to decide, not for Pete to tell us. Sounds like half days off to me, but what do I know? But for today, Pete's here. <laughs> we also have a carousel of update anchors this week. It has fallen on Emmanuel Barbari today. There's a Schwartz. There's a Caserta or two this week. Our good friend Pat Boyle's on vacation, a trip that he almost canceled to be here with us this week. So we are not, we are not leaving Boyle out. We are missing Boyle. He would be here in some form or fashion this week if he was free, but uh, Boyle's been working hard hat himself. This show locally taking some time off. Good for Patty B. I am sure we will see him uh, in this chair, in these chairs, in that room at some point here before we get to Labor Day and before next Labor Day when I think DA finally picks a new sidekick. That's right. 
I think Labor Day 2024 is the projected hiring date <laughs> for the new Sean. Between the normal red tape and our desire to drag things out as long as physically possible. That's right. 13 months sounds like a good time frame to find someone else to be out of shape, slovenly, and half produce a radio show. Right? It's good to have goals. There's one of them. We're going to take our time. Uh, we've got to relive some of the moments from Friday's show again. I can't. I hope you didn't miss anything. If you did, everything lives in clips and in full form in the Odyssey app, on YouTube, all the normal places. Go download it. Go listen. Uh, but just a couple of thoughts that still lingered in my head all weekend that made me laugh for the last, whatever this is, 72 hours of you know the, one of the most significant DA shoes in history. And will always be that way as we said goodbye to Shawnee on Friday. Don't forget that Sean's new life begins this afternoon. There is no time off for Sean and company. Their new show debuts this afternoon, 2 Eastern. So, again, leave Jim Rome and Maggie and Perloff on one radio and then listen to Sean on another and show your support for all of us. Uh, that's how. That's the new norm for your afternoons is two radios on. Listen to whichever one you choose. And we thank you in advance for your efforts. Um, so we'll do that this morning as well. I said from Vegas to Miami in the open because we've got the Raiders and we've got the Dolphins in our sights today as well because Jimmy Garoppolo is theoretically healthy enough now to be a mediocre quarterback for Vegas. And we'll figure out exactly what their season's going to look like with Jimmy G now good to go apparently and Josh Jacobs still very much in limbo. Plus, at least one of us thinks the Miami Dolphins are vastly overrated on the eve of this new NFL season as Pete waves to an audience that cannot see us. I should have mentioned that there is no stream today because it's not only no DA and no more Sean, but Cap pulled a fast one on us late yesterday after I'd already thought of some really good headlines. I was at Fenway over the weekend. It didn't go well, but one of the positives was the bathroom experience at Fenway. So I want to talk about that because it connects to our urinal-slash-stall conversation that almost divided the group like nothing before. And I was going to call it the Boston Pee Party as the headline. I like yeah, that one, that, right? That's very clever. And we got no Cap. And then Cap goes, nah, I'm not coming in tomorrow. Cap's destroyed. So there's no stream today. Who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? So we've got the we've got the Raiders, we've got the Dolphins, we've got fantasy football as well. Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, will join us in hour number three to get you set for your draft. Is this draft season now? And it's almost August. This seems early to do anything, but I know that the league that I'm in with my college buddies at least turned itself back on. I got that notification the other day. Like your league is live if you want to do something, but it is still very very early as training camps open. Around the NFL, Dan Campbell and the Lions are getting going with high expectations. The head coach doesn't like those. And we've got the possibility of another name change for the football team in Washington now that Josh Harris and Magic Johnson and others are officially in charge and not Dan Snyder. We say goodbye to Michael Jordan, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. That is done. We've got to check in on Joel Embiid's wedding from this weekend. Who was there and who wasn't there. And, of course, the usual stuff, sound check, stunned to a news, Emmanuel Babari again in the update chair on this Monday morning. We'll begin, though, in the NFL, and a story that is not going to go away. The saddest conference call, arguably, in sports history happened over the weekend. 
between the running backs who simply cannot get paid. That's where we begin. It's your cold open. For the lead, James the Motion Man. Shovel. Barkley breaks a tackle. Dives in for two. Wow. Giants take the lead. 21-20 with 106 to play in the fourth. This is my leverage. My leverage is I can say f- you to the Giants. I can say f- you to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I right. won't play it down. And that's a that's a that's a that's a play I can use. Do I anybody knows me, knows that's not something I want to do. But like it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I has never to. I never thought I would ever do that, but like now I'm at a point where it's like, Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level second and seven the direct snap to barkley trying to get to the edge oh he sidled through an opening and saquon barkley great speed barkley inside the 40 the big play the giants have been craving comes from the big play maker obviously you know we want him to be there um but if he can't you know we understand that as well um and i think you know that's that not just for me but that goes for a lot of guys in our locker room um, so I just don't want that to be the, uh, to be the narrative of, you know, if he, if he decides not to come, then everybody's not, nobody's going to be mad. Um, you know, we all with him. We all respect him. We all love him. Percent second down and inches, gives it to Chubb, runs near side, right. He's got the first down 40, 35. He's 30, 25, cut to the middle, 20, 15, 10, five. He's gone. Touchdown. Nick Chubb. Right now it's just talking. You know, there's really nothing we can do. We're kind of, um, we're kind of handcuffed with the situation, but I mean, I felt what I took from it, uh, McCaffrey and Derek Henry and Saquon all had a lot of good points, but the biggest thing is that we're in a position that our production hurts us the most. You know, if we go out there and run for 2,000 yards with so many um, carries, the next year they're going to say, you know, you're probably worn down. That's the biggest thing that I took from it. It's just, I mean, it's tough. You know, we, it hurts us just to go out, to go out there and do good. It hurts us at, at the end of the day. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. All right, there you go. That was Kevin Kugler on Fox. Saquon Barkley on the Money Matters podcast, which we played for and discussed last week. Kevin Kugler again, still on Fox. Xavier McKinney of the Giants on the Jim Rome Show. And Jim Donovan via Browns Radio, plus some Nick Chubb in there as well. I guess this was Saturday, right? Going into Sunday where the prime best running backs, some of the guys who have nice fat contracts and the guys that want nice fat contracts got together to discuss their plight. Chubb, Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, all on this call discussing what to do about the topic in the NFL right now, and that is how much do you pay, when do you pay, how long do you pay top running backs in this game? And this circles around Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, who are still sitting on the franchise tag tender. There seems to be more anger in Vegas between Jacobs and the Raiders, at least from Jacobs' perspective, since the Raiders did not exercise their fifth-year option, asking him to be good, and he was very good a year ago. And instead of, you know, quote-unquote, rewarding him, the franchise tag tender comes and really no substantial extension talks. And now we've got Jacobs certainly flirting with and threatening to miss training camp and maybe even into the regular season. Where we sit here on the eastern seaboard, 
with the Giants and Saquon Barkley. I know Saquon cursed a bunch in that clip that you played, but those were kind of hypothetical uh, F-bombs. Those were not truly deeply angry curses from Saquon. He's obviously frustrated. He may feel disrespected, but I think Saquon shows up at some point realizing there's no point in missing games. He'll miss training camp. He'll eat fines that he's got to eat, whatever that may be. And eventually, unfortunately for him, he's probably going to lose this staring contest with the Giants, and he'll play for $10.1 million and then hope they or somebody else gives him more money for next season and moving forward. But this is a conversation that everybody's having, and everybody's got an idea how to fix this, how to get running backs paid. And I've seen talks about next offseason that every running back should say, I'm not going to OTAs. That every running back, every last one should refuse to show up and show the NFL what it would be like to not have a running back for practices and workouts and 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 drills. That seems nearly impossible just from a actual logistics standpoint, getting all of these guys not to show up. That same report from Pro Football Talk suggested creating some kind of incentive fund in conjunction, the union and the NFL, where these guys would get paid for their production once it happens. If they're not going to get paid pre-production, have this extra system of pay that when they run for a ton of yards and score touchdowns and catch passes and gain yards that way, that they get money along the way, which seems like another big ask. CBA negotiations, to me... The only thing that's left for these guys, and their cases are different. I'm glad Tony Pollard has signed his tender and kind of out of this conversation now in Dallas because he's not Saquon Barkley and he's not Josh Jacobs. And I also think that Jacobs is not Barkley where Barkley is not Jacobs. Barkley in particular to me has less to do with this bigger conversation about running back value than the rest of the guys. Saquon Barkley and the Giants is just about negotiating. Obviously, we're factoring in what the Giants think they need to pay a running back, but they want Saquon Barkley. And for everything that we know, they'll tag Barkley again next year, which would bump him up to $12 million. So it seems like the Giants are okay with giving Saquon Barkley $22 million guaranteed over the next two years if that's where they have to go. That's a lot of money, and that's decent money, good money for that position. It's still probably technically undervalued for Saquon, but that's a significant check or two that the Giants seem willing to write. So this is not Dalvin Cook. These are not other guys who teams just didn't want to pay anymore, wanted to take drastic pay cuts. This is just about the Giants and Barkley figuring out the number that works for both of them. And there is certainly some blame on Saquon's side if the reports are true that If he's asking for too much, turning down fair value in this climate, that's on him, not on them. But the bottom line is, I don't know what fixes this unless we get a string of Super Bowl winners that have top-end, first-round, highly-paid running backs at least not leading the way, but being front and center in Super Bowl wins and success. We got here because teams won without them. What's odd to me is how infrequently people, when they point that out, mention 
that the two teams they keep relying on for the argument are the Patriots and the Chiefs, who had Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. They would have needed better running backs if they didn't have two of the best quarterbacks of all time playing for them and two of the best head coaches of all time leading the way and real other really good players at other positions. But to me, that's the only way this gets fixed. I don't know about fancy accounting. I don't know about position-wide strikes and sit-outs and boycotts. It's going to take one of the... It's going to take Christian McCaffrey having a remarkable run to a Niners Super Bowl or the Giants. And God forbid now, we can't have lunatics yelling into doorbell cameras, but the Giants making another one of their magical runs to a Super Bowl because Saquon Barkley was the best player in the field, and then we have teams going in the other direction going, huh, we need one of those guys. To me, that's the only solution here. And I don't know if that ever happens, and then I don't know if this gets fixed in a way that running backs will be happy. I understand their frustration. I understand their plight. It's good that they're talking, trying to figure things out, but I don't know what they could figure out that would fix this other than one of them being the Super Bowl MVP. And changing this debate that you can win without one of these guys. Because if you look around, every one of these teams that has won recently. I mean, the Chiefs won last year after getting rid of Tyreek Hill. And nobody is pushing back on having Tyreek Hill or a really high-end wide receiver. And I mean, the, the Eagles, one of the biggest reasons for their success a year ago was adding and paying A.J. Brown. And... They did that because you need that position. The Chiefs, meanwhile, won it without Tyreek Hill. And we just go about our business where the running backs have taken an app to me too much of a hit for the way certain teams have won games and won conferences and won Super Bowls in the last little bit. You don't need frontline guys in a position that's obvious. But we don't point and go, well, this team won without a high-end safety or they saved money at middle linebacker or they cut costs here, there's always a place to cut costs. It doesn't have to be at running back. The Giants, by the way, are paying $14 million to Kenny Galladay to not be a Giant. There are other issues that teams survive, salary cap hits and whatnot. There's always fancy accounting to fix those. And these guys need to be out there. Barkley and Jacobs in particular make their team significantly better. And I completely understand their frustration and I know that DA and Sean had completely different thoughts on this last week, basically telling both uh, all these guys to just shut up and play, whether it's been Barkley or Jacobs or Austin Eckler, that take what you can get and get out there. And in a general point of view, I think in the NFL, guys always need to fight for the last penny because they'll get, get it taken away from them the second that the owners and teams see fit. So you've always got to fight. Now, the fight sometimes ends and not in your favor and that's where we're headed with these guys but I get their frustration I get the need to try and fix it I just don't know short of actually changing this storyline nothing else to me is going to get it done 855-212-4CBS 855-212-4227 it's Bogish it's Bilotti EJ's here Emmanuel is here intern Brooke is here as well all with you for these next four hours on a Monday morning. When we come back, it is sound check. We're going to clear the air on a couple of things that happened in recent, um, I guess, you know, the, the offseason, so to speak. A little Aaron Rodgers, a little NBA, and then DK Metcalf continues to be one of a kind. All of that's coming up next. Sound check right here on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. 
It's DA Soundcheck. All right, folks, here we go. Soundcheck begins in the NFL. If you remember after the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat, we were waiting, waiting with bated breath for what he might do. Where is he going to go? Is he going to play? And his social media silence was broken by a tweet. And I think it was overnight-ish that just said, Sool, S, a couple of U's, and a lot of L's. Nobody knew what that was at first. Then we were told that Rasul Douglas had Aaron Rodgers' phone, in his words, during Darko mode. And here's Rasul explaining what happened on the Big Play Slay podcast. A-Rod in connection with everything. Yeah. So it was always, it was looking like, oh, yeah, he, he might really got his phone. So, like, my you, you know, me and A-Rod, we talk a lot. Like, I, yeah. I always try to pick his brain. So we were just having a conversation, and then I, I was like, man, I'm like, damn, you, like, what you going to do for next season? And I guess it's before he told anybody. He he just gave me the rundown of what he thought, how he was going to do it. So then I seen something on Twitter, and I was like, you know what? I'm about to troll. So <laughs> I, te- I text him. I said, yo, look, I'm about to say this, but I'm gonna, I might need you in a little bit for something. He was like, I got you. Don't worry about it. So I was saying I had his phone and all of that. And then like all the fans was like, it's no way you got his phone. It's no way you got his phone. Like if you got his phone, like, then say then say something on a rod account that that you got his phone like say sue someone i'm like i'm like i bet i take a rod i'm like yo say this and tweet it real quick so they think i got your phone and he tweeted it like that's a rod though like he's a rod though man so we were just all all having fun with him so rasul douglas packers cornerback i think i flipped the timeline there he said he had roger's phone and then he got rogers to tweet Sewell to confirm as if that was him tweeting from the Rogers account because he had Aaron's phone. So Aaron's on the gag the whole time. I know a lot of you are fed up with Rogers, and for the most large extent, I am too. But thank God they're on hard knocks. It might suck. It might not be as good as I'm expecting it to be. But this is better than anybody else they could have given us. Especially, and I'm on board with the idea that the Jets hating that hard knocks is there, being part of the storyline, I'm in on that too. If there's some tension, if there's... And I guess I saw that they're going to cut some of the more negative things. Like, we're not going to yeah. see players get released. Exactly. Now, those are oftentimes the quote-unquote best parts of the show. Like, those are that's the real moment. That's the bad part of the business, hard feelings, man-to-man conversations... I don't like seeing, you know, dreams die and jobs lost, but that's part of what you why you watch that show. So that stuff is going to be missed. But, you know, this tension and then Rogers trying to fit in. And personally, too, I'll be honest, I'm in, I'm pretty intrigued by Zach Wilson. Not that he deserves or needs sympathy, but there's a good quarterback somewhere in there. And at some point, they're going to need Zach Wilson either to play or to be an asset to acquire something else. If he can ever regain any value, maybe he becomes something that they need via trade. Or again, he's got to play during an injury next season after Rodgers leaves after next season. Who knows? So I want to see what Zach Wilson is, why last year was so bad. There's a lot to like, I think, about the Jets on TV in August. If you remember, I don't know, two weeks ago during an update, the Pistons re-signed or extended somebody. And we, I had the note that it was the first time that one of their rookies had gotten a second contract or a rookie extension 
since Jason Maxiel and like it was Isaiah Stewart. Thank you, EJ Stewart. Um, that it had been forever since the pissed, and the one exception was Andre Drummond, who got to restricted free agency, and then they re-signed him. But a guy who had was under contract, rookie deal, became his first big payday. It just doesn't happen in Detroit between picking the wrong guy, giving up on guys too soon, making bad trades involving these players. And one of those players that they got rid of, who has turned out to be a pretty useful NBA player, is Bruce Brown. He's on the Run Your Race podcast talking about why he's a former Piston. So, you know, it was COVID. We didn't go to the bubble. To the bubble. Yes. So we had two weeks, two on, two weeks on, two weeks off in the city that we played in. But it wasn't mandatory. Uh-huh. Right? So it's August, and Troy Weaver comes in, like his new GM or whatever his position is, and it's around my birthday mm-hmm. in August. And I'm like, I've been there every... All the other times, I'm there, yeah. right? This one time, I'm like, listen, it's my birthday. Like, I'm, I'm going to just stay home for this two weeks, but I'm going to come back right after. So before I tell him this, he, they calling me like, hey, like, you want to get together on dinner, like, go golf, whatever. I'm like, yeah. cool. Like, it's straight. I tell him that. I come back after the two weeks. They don't say nothing to me. Sayonara. They say nothing to me. I go to the uh, the training staff. I'm like, I think I'm about to be out of here. <laughs> they not talking to me. They not saying what up. Nothing. Bro, it is crazy. When they know you ain't coming back, everybody Bro. just change up. They switch like, up They're like, nah, like, you good. Like, you're not, you're not going nowhere. Yeah. I walk in Why? the next day. I'm walking in for my workout. They call, you gone. Brooklyn. I pulled up Bruce Brown's basketball reference page last night to remind myself of what this trade was off the Pistons. And he was in a three-team trade that has, I don't know, 47 people involved in this trade. It is, I have in front of me again, it's like seven lines long explaining this November 2020 trade that apparently happened because Bruce Brown didn't show up for COVID workouts for one sequence because it was his birthday. Now, the Pistons did get Sadiq Bay in this trade. And Bay's a really good player. Is he not, EJ? Yeah. I mean, they just traded him again. They, right. trade, they trade him, but yeah. He's on the, what team is he on now? Well, he, he's on Atlanta now. Atlanta, okay. So he was at least a useful player in that trade. But I, I don't know. I You know, this is Bruce Brown's side of the story. I will say this. Um, I'm always weary of boss interactions because it makes me nervous about what's happening. Like, I'm way too anxious and assuming every Friday is going to be our last day. I'm the guy that makes the joke quick when your badge doesn't work right away that, oh, I got fired and they didn't tell me yet. This is why I pulled this clip, because I felt like of all the industries, we're the ones that probably could relate to this the most. Yeah. I'm, I am subconsciously keeping track of every boss interaction, trying to gauge whether they're warmer or colder than usual. Is there less eye contact? It's, you know, even now, because this is a weird time. Like, all bets are off. Shawnee's gone. In my twisted, petrified mind, this is the time to change the whole show. Pete makes too much money now. If we're already changing Sean, let's change Pete, too. Let's downgrade <laughs> to, you know, Pete's on, like, the veteran's maximum right now. <laughs> you reshuffle Pete into a 24-year-old recent college grad. You can go back to paying minimum wage, basically. <laughs> and now we're saving tons of cash. So, like, all these things are on the table. So, every time the boss walks by and doesn't say good morning, my ears go up. 
Yeah, this was this was definitely the clip where I was like, oh man, I think, and even the whole working on your birthday thing, like I I, I kind of related to Bruce Brown in that regard because like I've tried to not work on my birthday if I can avoid it. Of course, a lot of people try that. And to see that he he got sent to another city, like imagine if that happened to us. Like you're just like, you know what? Right. You're going to the Cleveland station now because yeah. you didn't show up to your to your, your thoughts on Peoria because <laughs> there's a bus outside waiting to take you there. <laughs> right, last in sound check, we've done the magistry of DK Metcalf before. This guy is fascinating. This is him KG certified. Is this Kevin Garnett KG? Correct. Discussing what he eats in a day, and it is not what Sean eats in a day. I'm a candy type person. Oh, what? I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three, four bags of candy. Man, define bags of candy, man. Jelly like beans? A, nah, see, I'm a gummy, gummy, gummy type of guy. See, you get your lifesavers. Come on, man. Stop, stop, man. Come on, hold on, hold on, man. So you finna go through a structure, a bag of candy, you about to go through the whole, okay, let's hear this. Let's hear so, this. all right, I'm just taking you through yesterday. So yesterday I woke up, worked out, worked out again, came home, showered. I'm hungry. Run to Starbucks, get a quick coffee. That's gonna hold me to like four, five o'clock. This 12. Okay. That's gonna hold me for like four hours. Dang. Around 4.30, I ordered some candy and a water. So I got, what did I get yesterday? Got the Skittles gummies. Then I got uh, the Lifesaver Creations. They the same size bag, so I just mix them. Get the gummy, get the candy, get the water, eat that. That's going to hold me to like 8 o'clock where I'm having dinner, 8, 9. And then I eat dinner, go to sleep. Where do you want to begin? Uh, the two morning workouts? Well, yeah. I well, that, work that, out that and I work at physique. a gym. So what's the required time in between to create a second workout and not just one big workout? Are we changing your like the, the body target? You're doing upper in the morning and then a little break and you're doing lower? It's got to be a different day part to me. Like It's got to be like, okay, you did a, a workout in the morning and then you did a workout in the afternoon. That, to me, is a second workout. I would argue that location needs to change as well. If you want to go, you know, I go to the field and I'm doing sprints and I'm doing like football stuff on a field and then I go to the gym like, that to me I is two that. workouts. Okay, I can see that. With no time in between, I'll give you credit for two workouts there. But if you're just going gym, break, same gym, I still think that's one, that's a yeah, workout. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, you took a break. Yeah. You, you had a workout, you were working out, and you said, okay, I need to take a break. And then you went back to going back to, to, your, to your normal routine. Either way, as we've seen, whatever he's doing is working. And somehow he looks like that despite eating like that. So, again, he worked out on an empty stomach, it sounds like. At noon, he has a coffee, which he don't over for four hours, which I agree with, by the way. One cup of coffee, and that actually is like a meal sometimes. Like, I don't need to eat after that. And then at 4.30-ish, he's going water and multiple bags of candy before his one meal at eight. Now, that takes us to a whole different conversation about late-night calories, going to bed after you eat is not a good idea. And if you eat before eight, you got more time to work it off. We know that science there. The earlier you eat the the bad stuff, the better, because you got more time to get rid of it out of your body, theoretically. But So the candy thing, then, the follow-up there is, I'm with him on being a gummy, chewy, candy kind of guy. 
Chocolate's good on occasion, but if I'm in a... Yes, this weekend we're in one of those crazy candy stores with just the bins of stuff and shovels and bags. You pick what you want, you weigh it, and we charge you completely too much for that Ziploc bag <laughs> of candy. And I'm getting gummy bears, Swedish fish, like those peach ring things. I don't need M&Ms and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups from a bin. Well, so what? I'm with him on the chewy kind of gummy candies. And what I will say, too, is he mentioned the Skittles gummies, which I don't know if either of you guys have tried. No. Aren't, is, Sk- aren't Skittles gummy to begin with? No. So Skittles, I mean, they, they, I mean, you, I guess once you chew them, they become more gummy. But they're they're hard. They're hardish candy. There's Skittles gummies, which are kind of new. I first tried them in San Diego last year. They finally came back over to the East Coast, I guess, at some point this year. They are so addicting. Like, I'm not a candy person. But, like, last month, there was a stretch where I think every week I was getting a bag of Skittles gummies. They come in a big bag. It's not one of your little, right. like, you know, Swedish fish boxes. Like, they're a pretty big bag. They're definitely supposed to be shared. And I would go through them uh, in a day. Yeah, I see them now. So, I've had the Lifesaver gummies, right. which makes sense because they're a completely different texture than Lifesavers. So, these, I see these now, and they are, all right. Yeah, they're, they're, I'll try they're, these. Similar, they're similar texture to the Lightsabers gummies, and I love Lightsabers gummies, but they they just, they blow it out the water. It is, it is ridiculous how addicting it is. So, when I heard that, I was like, I, I kind of relate to DK in that regard. So, this dude has the perfect body, despite eating a meal a day and multiple bags of candy. There are just some humans who are just special, and they don't need to do the extra work needed to be yeah. great. Like Chad Ochocinco famously, you know, eats, eats McDonald's regularly, um, never worked, never, you know, uh, ate you know, proper nutrition. So DK seems to be, like, right in that same category. Last question on this for the group. How fast after DK's done playing does he weigh 300 pounds? I don't. Th- I think he's gonna be good again. Yeah. Like, I mean, Ocho. I don't, I don't like to reference Ocho again, but like, I mean, he looks great, and he still eats terrible. Like, I think there, there are some people. They're like the people who can not study and ace a test. Like, there's some humans that just are blessed with fast metabolisms and blessed with not having to have the right eating habits and can still be fit. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's annoying. Trust me. It's no, I know. I could be like that. I you know I I just feel like a lot of these guys too though once they stop being active like pro athletes and they keep eating like that, it goes in the wrong direction very fast. But you're probably right that he's just an f- absolute freak of nature, and it's never going to matter. If anything, he may actually lose weight. Because I feel like most NFL players go one way or the other. Either they gain a lot of weight, or they, especially the offensive linemen, they like become really skinny. Yeah. So I think, if anything, he actually may be a guy who's already, he's already 6'5", 230. He may lose 40 pounds once he finishes playing. Any chance the Seahawks approve of a multiple bag of candy diet habit for this guy? Or they're just every day he walks into a facility and like, dude, could you just have, like, we have a second plate of grilled chicken, please? And I was kind of wondering if he was trying to maybe make a play for a Skittles uh, uh, endorsement. You know, you had you yeah. know, Marshawn Lynch had all the Skittles stuff, and they just throw Skittles onto this field. Maybe they'll throw Skittles gummies <laughs> at, uh, at, uh, at the queue. Does he sell us chocolate milk? Is he one of those drink chocolate milk after workout kind of guys? He's in some kind of commercial. I don't know if it's chocolate milk. I I, I know I know that I know that he's very big in the Skittles, but uh, and Taco Bell, I believe, also. All right. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Bogish in for DA. EJ is the producer this morning. Pete on the wheels of steel, playing music, changing time. I don't know what. Emmanuel's here as well. Intern Brooke was here. She's now left in a statement about hour number one of the show in which we discussed running backs who want to get paid again or for the first time, having a conference call over the weekend, trying to figure out how to trick GMs and owners into writing bigger checks for them. We heard DK Metcalf's three-bag-of-candy-daily habit during sound check. In this hour, we get a health check on Jimmy G's left foot. He apparently is good to go with those Vegas Raiders. And I take you inside multiple Fenway Park bathrooms from the Red Sox-Mets game on Saturday. We'll do that this hour as well. We begin, though, with the Detroit Lions. As popular as anybody, especially in the NFC, looking for trendy picks, you want to be smart, you want to be early on the bandwagon. The Lions are your team here in 2023. Surprisingly good year ago. I was absolutely one of the people who thought there was too much Dan Campbell needed to see them actually do things on the football field to back up all of the craziness, biting kneecaps and whatever his, remember his crazy, like double venti, eight shot, sugar, caffeine, overload, Starbucks order. We did that on the show as well. There was a lot of non-football Dan Campbell. When the football started, the Lions were pretty, pretty good. In particular, Jared Goff playing the best football, arguably, of his career, and now we've had an offseason of draft picks and roster changes, and right now, as the Lions begin training camp, there are too many people being too nice to the Lions. Dan Campbell would like you to stop. He doesn't want to hear it anymore, and he's making sure his guys are not listening too intently to all of this conversation But the NFL knows it. The Lions are one of the two teams we're going to see first this year. They're going to Arrowhead in that first Thursday night. They've got three or four other national TV games on the schedule right now because it makes sense. Because in the NFC North, there's no longer Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. The Vikings are an odd team. They are certainly worse without Dalvin Cook on offense. Justin Jefferson's fantastic. We are, by the way, living in a tiny bit of a Kirk Cousins renaissance And we've touched on this a little bit, but not as much as other places. Kirk Cousins comes across 
fairly well in this Netflix quarterback documentary. I've only seen the first episode, and I think maybe the first 10 minutes of the second one, and it makes you like Kirk Cousins. And he's still Kirk Cousins in the documentary. I mean, he still is Ned Flanders. Heidly help. One of the first things they talk about is his wife laying out his game day clothes. And whether it's from L.L. Bean or Eddie Bauer or Patagonia, and they're sitting in the back after a game, you know, Sunday night after a game, guys are going to fancy restaurants, going to nightclubs, having fun. And Kirk Cousins is back at home creating a bonfire with his family and gets a little kind of singe mark on his favorite sweatshirt. And he's all heartbroken that, well, I guess this is now my bonfire sweatshirt because he can't wear it. But all of a sudden you go, I kind of like Kirk Cousins. He the video the 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 show confirms all the corny things that bothered us, but it makes you actually like him this time. So I want to see how much that pays plays out over the season as he's throwing to Justin Jefferson, handing off to other guys. I got nothing on their defense, but they're not as good as the Lions. The Packers aren't as good as the Lions. The Bears certainly aren't as good as the Lions. The Lion conversation is you got to win this NFC North this year. And then figuring out where they fit uh, with the other good NFC teams outside of that division. It's a fair conversation. It's a legitimate conversation. And, you know, they've made some changes. Their running back position is completely different. DeAndre Swift's gone. Jamal Williams is gone. They drafted Jameer Gibbs. They had a good draft. Jack Campbell's a player, a linebacker that a lot of people like. Sam Laporta might be their number one tight end right out of the shoot this year. C.J. Gardner-Johnson's now in their secondary in Detroit. And then there's Jerry Goff, who again played as well as he ever had a year ago. He is still not going to be an elite, elite quarterback. He's still not going to be Kirk Cousins. But Jared Goff played the position well a year ago, well enough for them to kind of max out their potential. The question is whether or not, if the rest of the roster can go to the even next level, can Jared follow? We'll get partial answer on that this year but even the Lions know that's a question because they drafted Hendon Hooker he's older he's coming off an ACL so there were reasons not to take him any earlier by a different team but that's a good pick because he's got time to finish recovering he's got time to learn the NFL there is no pressure on Hendon Hooker to play immediately or anything close to immediately but that's a guy who could absolutely become your next quarterback after Jared Goff. But for now, Goff's the guy. And as good as he was last year, we go right back into the season with similar questions and then the different question of, all right, if this team is actually as good as some people think they are, and now we're comparing them to, say, the Niners, not just the NFC North or the Eagles, you know, they're in that group, not just picking the best of a crappy division or a you know, mediocre division of the NFC North, is Jared Goff good enough to keep the Lions hanging around a Jalen Hurts or a Brock Purdy-led offense in San Francisco against, or good enough to solve that Niner defense in a big possible spot? But that's the world the Lions live in now, and Dan Campbell's created that, and I completely understand why Dan Campbell is trying to slow that down because we've seen plenty of teams and plenty of sports be compromised and be hamstrung by expectations, valid expectations, or sometimes we get too carried away. I don't think we're carried away 
in picking the Lions to win the NFC North. Where you can get carried away is extend that conversation to the rest of the NFC and, like I just did, wondering where they stack up with the Niners and the Eagles, and they kind of just don't yet. We can't... They may change that conversation. They may force that conversation as the year goes on. But as the year begins, to me, they are the clear favorite in the NFC North, and... I'm honestly not really sure of the argument for anybody else in that division. I, you know, the Vikings and the Packers come next, and the Packers are a complete unknown post Aaron Rodgers, and they can do some things without Aaron or other than Aaron last year. That's a good defense, and there's obviously some talent in the backfield. They've got some young wide receivers that never fully, completely locked in with Rodgers, and maybe there's a different chemistry and different production with Jordan Love. But until we know what Jordan Love is, then the Packers are an unknown. And you can't tell me that they are better than the Lions. And the Vikings, even if we start to love Kirk Cousins all of a sudden, to me are still not the complete team that the Lions appear to be from a distance. So the Lions and the NFC North is the easy pick. It's where you go from there that is the question and where you should listen to Dan Campbell and pull it back just a little bit. But he's got to do this now. This is the other part of what he did in the buildup. Selling us on his guys, selling us on his culture, selling us on scheme and coaching staff. Those things played out even maybe better than he expected a year ago. And now he lives in a world where people want things from them, where people expect things from them and see what the best possible version of the Lions can be this year. So now he's got to go in the other direction and tell us that maybe we're getting too carried away and they're not just that good yet. But the problem for them, I guess, is in the NFC, it's really slim pickings. You've got the Eagles in the NFC East, obviously, and then varying opinions on the Cowboys, the Commanders, and the Giants. None of them, to me, can be called elite teams. The Cowboys want to be, but until they show us that they are week in and week out, I don't think you can call them that. In the South, I mean, best of luck down there, picking between the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. I mean, there are some intriguing individual things going on there. Rookie quarterbacks, rookie running backs, promising head coaches, projections for teams a year or two from now. I get all of that, but in the present of 2023 starting, there's not an elite team in that division right now. And then in the West, the Niners are good. And the Seahawks are, you know, they're good too. I want to see them do it again as well. And, you know, Godspeed of the Cardinals figuring out what they are with a new head coach and with Kyler Murray moving his way back to full health. But if you're looking, this is not the AFC, obviously, and we're going to get to the Dolphins later in the show where they're one of almost almost too many good teams. The Lions are one of only a handful of good teams, so they're going to get even extra attention right now, and it can absolutely get into players' minds, into players' ears, and it can make guys almost subconsciously relax just a little bit, but the Lions played with an edge last year, proving teams wrong, and the trick now for Dan Campbell is to kind of keep that same edge, even though no one's going to be surprised by the Lions putting points on the board or Aiden Hutchinson running over your quarterback and making a game-changing play on defense for them. Let's go back now. I want to do this to close out hour number one. We ran out of time. Now we've got plenty of time. Friday was 
an all-time show around here. We said goodbye to Sean, culminating a month of saying goodbye to Sean, a great week of final shows for Sean, special guests. Free food might have been the best part of the whole thing on multiple days. We ate well because Sean was leaving. And then Friday, we had to officially all say goodbye to Sean. His mom and dad were here. His sister was here. Fudgy the Whale was here times two because Pete had the Marash family buy one to bring in. And then Greg Caserta, because he's a gentleman, brought one as well because he couldn't come empty-handed. And he knew that Sean loved Fudgy, which I remembered post-show. One of the things that we probably should have squeezed in somewhere over the last month was the time that we celebrated Sean's birthday without Sean. And I mean, this is a long time ago, but we had we had Fudgy the Whale for Sean while Sean was on vacation. It was hilarious. It was definitely mean. Balloons. They were balloons. Did we have Bobby Valentine on that week? Because when Bobby was banned for being mean to Sean? No, no, we did that. That was another time, I think. Okay. We did a lot of, I, I forgot which week it was. He was away, and we put on all the guests that he didn't like. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was that day, though. It might have been. I'm not. I might be getting them mixed up. But, but that day was when uh, he who, he who shall not be named ate the fudgy the whale cake <laughs> on a about cake that camera, right. and and Cap right. ran a scroll of all of Mara's <laughs> facts underneath. <laughs> so it was a really great experience for the listeners. Oh, we are horrible, horrible people. But Friday, I guess I'm a horrible person. Um, Timbo Slice, who's at DA's 100 pounds on Twitter, called me a serial killer. I didn't cry. I. I don't cry. It's just not a thing that I'm going to do outside of like, I didn't cry on my wedding day. And maybe that's a bad thing. I Pete definitely did. Oh, on what? what cry what? on your wedding day. Which one? <laughs> uh, Same cry. Crying for different reasons. Yes. No, Good the, cries the second time. On the real wedding day, yes, I did. So I'm just not a crier. Although Sean did get me at the end finally saying nice things about me in tears. That almost got me. Almost. I felt emotions for a moment in that scenario, and then we fought through them. Heartless. But the two things that have stood out for me all weekend, and I, I'm not lying when I say that I laughed at these things multiple times in the three days since. One, again, is Pete's speech, and I'm glad that you guys all heard it too. Pete thanking Sean for all he's done for the network as if he's Mr. Odyssey is no, an I, all-time thing. I, I just, love it. Everyone made a big deal of it. I just I just was thanking him because he was, as I said in my speech, he was a part of this whole network from right. the beginning. No, and it, it again, it's just, it, it perfectly encapsulated you, which is why I, I wasn't, I'm not. I liked it. I appreciate it because it was you. Mm-hmm. Because you mean it. Because this place cares. You care about this place. It matters to you. So it matters to you that Sean has been here and done good things. So a, you had the feeling. B, you put it in your in your goodbye speech to him. It was just. It was perfect. It was exactly what needed to be said. Thank I, you. I um. I wish that I had delivered my speech as well as you did yours and so that was that was my one favorite part my second favorite part 
it, I, and I saw it all morning long. Intern Anna was here on Friday. <laughs> yes. And she sat in the chair that Brooke wasn't a minute ago. And again, this is a four-hour show of memories, emotion, laughing, parents sitting in the front row, going a decade of memories, decade of the buffoon, half year of the buffoon. Other people were coming in to look at the show and watch. There was so much going on. There was so much emotion. It may be the most significant show in DA history. And she sat there and did not react to anything. Had her phone out. And I, uh-huh. of course she should. We're strangers to her. She's a 20-whatever-year-old college student hoping we don't ask her to cut tape or whatever. But she sat back there as the perfect counterbalance to all of the idiocy and emotion that we had going on. If she was the audience, it was the worst show ever right. because she had no reaction. <laughs> no reaction. And, and you couldn't <laughs> not see her because she was right on Sean's hip the whole time, basically sitting next to him as if nothing was going on. Like it was a regular show. It was remarkable. I, I, I didn't get it. <laughs> I did not get it at all. Well, but just I think, though, if you, were the, if you were her, if you were interning, like I interned on a show in Boston, and if that show was like saying goodbye to one of their men- members on my one of my f- intern Fridays, you were going to get a reaction out of me. I have no emotional connection out of those, those doofuses, just be, like she doesn't hear. I would be engaged in the in the conversation. I, mean, uh, you, I don't know. You, you know it's there's something significant going on, and if you're an intern, that's, that's how I would do it. If I was an intern and I was in that same spot, I would be engaged in what was happening. But isn't it, isn't it kind of like being invited to a wedding as a plus one, and you don't know anybody there? Like, it's I've a tough been sell, there, right? Like, I've been at a wedding yep. where, like, I'm at a wedding, it's my girlfriend's friend, and somehow I'm sitting in a spot, and it's the groom and the best man who are not friends with my girlfriend talking about how great their life was and all the memories and yep. how everything's going to be great now. And I'm sitting there being like, do you really want me here? Like, should I be a part of this conversation? Like, I can leave. Can like, I just I, go for a walk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, you guys can talk about this on your own. Like, I feel like I can understand from that regard. Well, yeah. that's, where, that's where I would... I would grab it part of the bar and just and just sit there the whole night right i i just it's amazing to me that maybe my number one memory from that show that will always be in my head i might forget her name but i'm always remember when we talk about that show it will always come to mind immediately that she sat back like nothing was happening for four hours then walked out. <laughs> and it was gone. She didn't even stay for pizza. See you tomorrow night. She, she left earlier than you would normally leave. That's right. <laughs> 9.57. She was the first one out the door. Good for her. I don't know how you have no reaction to anything. I mean, some things at least were funny. Yeah, at least, at least <laughs> have a chuckle. You didn't need the context no. to laugh at the year buffoon. Well, at least acknowledge our existence. <laughs> uh. Live from CBS Radio Studios in New York City, it's the DA Show with your host, Damon Amendolara, featuring DJ Stewart and the musical sounds of the Zap Zap Orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's DA. Yeah, no DA. EJ's here. Hey. So is Andrew Bogish, Pete Bellotti, Emmanuel Babari, intern Brooke, who just left again. Didn't like hour two either. 
Didn't like that open. Yeah, came back, gave it a try, said, never mind. I'm going back to Rutgers. We've got to make some choices around here. And as Pete said, he's the the pull-the-band-aid-off guy. So we've gone from just straight edits to now redubs. And we'll see what happens over the next hour or so of this (laughs) first show of a new era here that doesn't have DA either. No cap, just radio. Radio only on this Monday. And radio everywhere, thanks to our great affiliates, the Odyssey app, the CBS Sports Radio app, Sirius XM Channel 158. Again, Bogish, EJ, Bilotti, Emmanuel, and you at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I've got to tack on to the bathroom story because there was an exclamation point in the worst possible way on this trip in. Uh, and I can't leave out the best slash worst part. So we'll do that in a second. We will also check in on Joel Embiid, who got married over the weekend, and someone of significance wasn't there, leading to all sorts of speculation why he wasn't there, whose decision was it, what does this mean for basketball, and said wedding involved Michael Rubin, fanatic CEO, owner, and his wife Camille who is Lisa Ramos's friend who we talked about with Lisa when she came in last week to say goodbye to Sean try to weasel our way into the super fancy Michael Rubin fanatics for the July party they're now at this party and one of their videos started the detective milkshake run on who is and who's not at the Joel Embiid wedding so that's coming up this hour as well Plus, we'll chat with Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, Fantasy Football. We are nearing real football, which means we are nearing draft time. So your first look at who you should pick, who you shouldn't pick, and when you should pick them with Vinny coming up later this hour. But we begin with the Washington Commanders, who are called the Commanders for now, apparently. New ownership. This is how last week ended. Josh Harris approved. Dan Snyder is out. That $60 million fine left behind. Not a huge punishment, but it looks good, at least in paper, on headlines to take 60 mil back from one of the worst people ever to win an NFL team. But with Josh Harris now in charge, people have asked about the future of the organization in many different ways, and one of them is about the lukewarm response to being the commanders after being the Washington football team. And the first, um, any person of significance in Washington to discuss this was Magic Johnson, who's got a stake in the team. And this was Magic, I guess, Friday morning on the Today Show. I think, Craig, everything's on the table, right? Especially after this year. We'll see where we are with the name, but I can't say that right now. So there's Magic opening the door. Now, Josh Harris was then asked about this. He was a little... Not that magic was concrete, but Josh was even more open-ended about what is going to happen. No one is committed to anything, but I think it's worth pointing out that neither one, that A, magic suggested it, and B, nobody has absolutely killed the conversation in the 48-plus hours since magic said that. And Josh Harris's quote was kind of the same thing along the lines of, everything's on the table we're going to look at everything and we're going to listen to the fans. And as we learned with the initial change, this by definition takes years and nothing will start now. And even if they decide to do this after this season, 
we wouldn't get a new name for even a while after that. It just takes that long to change names and logos and paperwork and lawsuits and whatnot. But from our vantage point, from the show's vantage point, one of our marquee moments, at least recently, if not ever, is Joe Theismann breaking the news of the name on this show. Just for our sake, they can't change commanders. They can't take that away from us. We can't have Joe Theismann's moment become the time he broke the news of the temporary Washington football team name. They've got to keep the commanders just for that reason, just to preserve our place in history. We can't lose that. We got to. Ha- How different is that story of you're saying, oh, yeah, for a year they were the commanders, and Joe Theismann, one of the greats in franchise history, accidentally told us they were going to be the commanders. Now they're the Red Hogs, but they were the commanders for that one great 2022, or however long it's been. Right? It's only been one season as the commanders. Uh, you know, that was their name for a little bit, and... You heard it here first on this show. We can't lose that. But if we're going to lose it, and no one has liked commanders from the beginning, the uniform change was significant, not terrible, but commanders is a kind of a blah name. I got to be honest, going back through the names that were in contention last time, there was Armada, there was Brigade, There was Defenders, Red Hogs. Other people have suggested Red Wolves and the Red Tails. That's a uh, military plane reference. But the more I thought about it, of the names that we know of that were officially in contention or the names that have been popularized online, I might like best some version of Washington football team. Now, it was really hard to not have a nickname for them when you're talking about them, like, because no one said WFT, nobody said, and, you know, Washington football team is a lot to say. And in this business, it's called like second reference, where you have a second way, you don't reference something the same way every time. So, you know, it's Atlanta, then it's the Braves, it can be the Atlanta Braves. You can go back and forth. There's very little variety with Washington football team. But the more and more I watch and enjoy soccer, and they're just, they have names that are just a thing, like DC United. I kind of, I kind of get it. I don't want Washington football team, but something generic like that is no longer to me the worst possible idea. Now, you already had issues with people saying, oh, you didn't show enough emotion. For Sean, I feel like you're now leaning firmly into that bit by saying, you know what? Something as generic as Washington football team, I'm all good with. So you're saying serial killers would prefer a Washington I'm football team? I'm just saying, I don't know. These are the allegations that have gone out, Andrew. Yeah. And I don't think you're beating them right now. So I so I, I don't want Washington football team, but the, but the general structure, the idea, I'm okay with it now. Now, that being said, the European soccer teams – that started all of this, that have always, they all have nicknames too. So, like, they are Tottenham Hotspur, but then you call them the Lily Whites, and there's the Red Devils. Like, there's, they, they do have unofficial nicknames. So, there is always that too. It's not like they are only what, they're not just Man City, Manchester United. They have then kind of secondary unofficial nicknames. 
and you would still need one then for the Washington football team. So in the end, I wouldn't necessarily get what I want. We would still have to call them something else, you would think. But I don't, I guess the competition, if the competition is red tails and red hogs and whatever, I don't mind a, the kind of soccer style name. I, I don't know. I just feel like red tails is so perfect. And the and logos so that I've right seen there. are pretty good. Their logos are awesome. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it, it makes sense given the history of the city. Um, I think, and to me, I think of also like who, you're facing your main rival being the Cowboys. So if you're going to have the Cowboys, I want to have something that can fight against Cowboys. And, hey, why not have, you know, military-grade things flying over in that kind of mythical matchup of Cowboys versus Red Tails? Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. Washington football team has grown on me more than I thought, generally speaking. And I think it's probably not going to be them. I think they really want to hit a home run to steal a pun for their fans. So they're going to go with, if they do change it, they would go with something the fans really want. And the fans, their number one choice is not some version of Washington football team. So they'll go the easy route, quote unquote, to, to really kind of gain some brownie points here. But some team in one of our four major leagues is going to do this. They're going to have a name that's not just city and nickname. They're going to do the soccer-style name. I think that's coming. Well, the minimalist, minimalist everything is happening now. I mean, we see it in our uniforms with every team that has a new uniform come out. They come out as duller and duller as possible. So minimalist is in in terms of design. So I don't think you're wrong. And I think that the soccer thing, whether it's NYCFC or – you know, the Los Angeles Football Club, like inner Miami, like, you know, this is in. You're right yeah. about that. Speaking of uniforms, odd release. The Titans released throwbacks last night, like 8 o'clock. Now, I don't know if I'm missing the full story, if I'm missing the obvious thing, if they had some kind of event, if it's the eve of training camp, if I'm missing the obvious thing. It was just weird at 8.30 last night to open up Twitter and Instagram and see a fresh post of here are our new uniforms, our throwbacks. But they're wearing powder blue Oiler throwbacks, I think, two times this year. And I know they're no longer in Houston. They're no longer the Oilers. But those bad boys need to be their regular their regular uniforms. They are beautiful. There are several franchises that would be better off going back to their old color scheme, their old uniforms, and their old logo. I believe the Titans, even though they're not in Houston, you know, they're not Oilers, are right. one of them. The Seahawks dropped their throwbacks last week the Seahawks uniforms were hard like I don't know the Sixers did it with their old logo and they came back and people love the old logo being the new logo like I don't know why more franchises don't do that the Seahawks one now the Colts released an alternate and it's disgusting awful it's completely useless it looks like a Duke football uniform and and the, the selling point was it's heathered like this is the this has never happened before where it's not just straight solid blue no thanks but the Titans one is beautiful. The Seahawks one is great. I love the current Seahawks uniforms, except for the all like lime green one. But their normal uniforms, I think, are beautiful. But even they lose to the Seahawks throwbacks. It's very few current uniforms that win in that matchup. Yeah. Of do you like their new uniforms and new logo or their old uniforms and old logo? Now around this area, the city that we can't speak of. Woody Johnson, who owns the team, posted a picture yesterday wearing a hat of the old Jets logo. 
the one that's script and slanted and has kind of the airplane wing across the top. And it said, new profile pick. Leading to speculation that they're going to have some jet throwbacks. There was a leak out that came out, too. Someone was in the jet facility and took a 500-foot picture of somebody (laughs) who looked like they were behind, like, a photo booth. Okay. And you could see a small glimpse of what looked like a white alternate throwback uni. I know the Falcons give them competition because the Falcons' most recent uniform change was a complete waste of time. But I can't think of a team that made a worse uniform decision than the Jets did going to what they have right now. Oh, horrible. It is the most novice, uninspired, unprofessional. It looks like their current Jet logo looks like the generic logo that you'd get in, like, clip art. Or I remember when I was picking out my high school ring, you could pick random things that would go, like, inside the stone, like... I put hockey sticks in mine because we were in the ho- like the hockey club. We didn't have a hockey team, but like it, that's what it looked like. Day one graphic design jets with a football. There's nothing professional about it. Coming off those beautiful white helmets and all that kind of stuff. So anything to get rid of those. What do you prefer, Pete? As a as a jet fan, do you like the white helmet? Or did you like kind of the Ken O'Brien green with that jets slanted? Well, I, font. I. I... I like both of them, but I, at the time, when they were going to change the uniform, I thought they were going to go back to the Ken O'Brien right. look. Yeah. With with maybe a little bit of the, the, the 60s look in it. Um, I think now the uniforms are terrible. Terrible. It's hard for me to get merchandise. In Why would you? I, I don't want it. Um, I think it would it would behoove them to go to an alternate with, with the old Jet logo from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I would go back to the '60s logo for um, for their main uniforms. Go back if they could. Go back to what it was uh, before uh, the last two years. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to eight hundred dollars. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT and T at T-Mobile.com/slash/across-America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Uh, breaking news, Pete's unhappy about something. Back to Bilotti we go. No, no, I, it's about the jet uniforms. So if you haven't seen them, guys, they're, they're switching back to, I guess these are what, the 80s? These are going to be the, uh, the um, those retro games. Right, the two, two week games. one including. Yes. Week one, week four, early and often, and then that's it. But they're based, they're all white, green numerals, green trim around the neck, and the green helmet that says Jets 
in that kind of slanted with so the old school plain wing. Yeah, what Ken O'Brien wore. That's that's the that's the reference point to me, right. basically. Well, but I like them the, changing it up. But what's the problem, Pete? I feel like that's not the shade on the helmet. Yeah, it should be a Kelly green. They had the shade from this year as the shade on the helmet. I, I don't oh, like no, that. that's a gimmick. That, okay. you got to actually model it after the old uniforms if you're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, like, like and, and you know what? <laughs> I, I, I'd rather the green and, and instead of the white. <laughs> oh, you want green jersey yeah. instead of all white? See, yes. I, I like the all-white unis. Nah. Alabama in all white, Penn State in all white, the, the Browns in the, all the white. Stock exchange oh. was the, them on the stock exchange with the green uniforms. Wow. Fair. But, and again, they cannot keep wearing what they're wearing now. No, they're horrible. This is still a massive upgrade. You still massive. Have, and you right. still have the shade of the helmet from this uniform on this retro one, which is bothering me. I because, think it's really bothering Pete. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's right. A different yeah. Color. Yeah. You, you're you're really mad about this. <laughs> Come on. That's what I'm stunned to. There I'm we not go. stunned to that because it's oh, a Jets. Oh, oh we got to get actually stunned, stunned here. Go. Let's do it. It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. So there's a search going on for a rodeo goat that has been missing for more than a week. And the residents of a rural South Texas county are uniting over this. They're fascinated by it, using horses, ATVs, even contemplating utilizing a helicopter to find this rodeo goat. The goat escaped from a pen in the county's rodeo arena near Raymondville, Texas on July 15th. After a youth rodeo, people have been looking through cotton and sugarcane fields to find it. Local businesses have reportedly donated nearly 90 prizes and gifts worth more than $5,000, including brisket, salon services. That'll be the reward for the person who finds a goat. Yesterday, possible goat tracks were spotted Uh-oh. in a cotton field near Lyford, south of Raymondville, and apparently the town has named this goat. When the goat first went missing, it didn't have a name. Well, maybe it did, but no one knew the name. (laughs) But after a poll in the Facebook page of the the town fair that that it went missing at, the goat was named Willie, short for Willisie County, where the goat went missing. The goat has a name, and the savage county officials said, you know, they're not sure if Willie is a boy or a girl. So that's what we're doing here. So... I've got a lot of questions. What does a rodeo goat do? Is are kids riding the goat instead of a horse because they're small? Is the goat used to like distract the animals when their rodeo is not going well? What's the what does a rodeo goat do? That was an interesting detail to me. In addition to the fact that it's a youth rodeo, right? Like, what's a youth rodeo? Uh, kids. You know, young kids doing it, and they can't be on a horse or a pony, I guess. Or do they ride the goat and try to stay it's or safer. rope the goat? Are they, safer? I guess. A goat is safer than riding a, a bull, Maybe I it's guess. a little slow. Clearly that. It's slower. <laughs> it's smaller. And if you're trying to, like, lasso the goat, maybe that's easier for a kid than one of those, you know, a, again, a smaller horse or one of those weird, like, practice ones that the goat runs around a little bit and you lasso it. But... I feel like it's now the official stance of this show that once you escape from something like this, you're free. You've earned your freedom. You get out, that's it. We've had bulls like running out of slaughterhouses, other animals getting out of the farm. 
if you've gotten out of your pen and you've stayed on the loose for this long, Godspeed. Well, it's also a safety thing, too, because if you, the, the bull or goat or whatever animal goes and eats something contaminated or whatever that, you could affect whatever food we're eating. So I that, guess. That, that's, that's apparently. And the, let's say this a was part, a bull. That's a part of the reason why. A bull or an animal like that that got loose. That's a real, like, geez, somebody might get hurt. Yeah. A goat, go- I'm, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Plus, I almost feel bad. Like, they're going through all these efforts to track down the goat. I don't think the goat wants to return. Probably not. All right, we got to run. Pete's giving me the hand signal, not the stretch. The get out of here quick thing. Epic fail, maybe, next on CBS Sports Radio. Here's the epic fail. And it's our unique, odd memories of Friday's show. My second favorite part, and I saw it all morning long. Intern Anna was here on Friday. (laughs) Yes. And she sat in the chair that Brooke wasn't a minute ago. And again, this is a four-hour show oh, no. of memories, emotion. My emotions! My emotion! Laughing, parents sitting in the front row. I am the father. Going a decade of memories, decade of the buffoon, half year of the buffoon. Other people were coming in to look at the show and watch. Really, I was trying to feed Raz his healthiest meal in years. There was so much going on. There was so much emotion. It may be the most significant show in DA history. And she sat there and did not react to anything. Boring. Had her phone out. And I, uh-huh. of course she should. We're strangers to her. She's a 20-whatever-year-old college student. Hoping we don't ask her to cut tape or whatever. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Uh, so much more to digest from Friday's show. We'll do that throughout the week here. We'll do it on the PGP as well. We got to run now. You hear the music. I think we're done unless Pete can give us a bonus 30 seconds. Uh, thanks to Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Thanks to EJ, to Pete, to Emmanuel, to intern Brooke. And thanks to you for listening. Have a great Monday. We'll see you again tomorrow. For now, the mothership disconnects. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.